Welcome to Cardano Chats, where we talk with various people and projects being built on the Cardano network. So today we have a pretty awesome interview. Uh, I just talked with Mickey, Mr. Telecom Watts, Watkins of World Mobile. I can't tell you how important this project is and how incredibly aligned it is with Cardano's existing mission of bringing economic identity to the billions of people that lack it. World Mobile is, is connecting the unconnected. This project is so exciting. It's such an incredible real world use case. We dive into a lot of the details of how it works, what their strategy is, how they're going to market, and how things are going to unfold as we get into smart contracts being launched on Cardano. So a lot of cool stuff in here. Hang in there through to the end. I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay, well, welcome. We have Mr. Telecom, Mickey Watkins, here with us today on Cardano Chats. How, how are you doing today, man? Really good, thank you. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. So tell me, what happened to your arm? Ah, I got in a fight with a telecom operator. That's <laughs> why they were stealing all of our data. Was it a legacy, legacy telecom, I imagine? It, yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> but, uh, I was carrying a big table, and uh, I guess I'm, I'm feeling 40 years old, so it's, right, uh, right. it had a snap. I hear you. Well, you're, you're doing awesome things at 40, man. So re really cool to see what's happening with uh, this uh, partnership with Cardano and how that's going. Um, yes, very interesting. I'd, I'd love to hear more about your background and, and how you got involved with World Mobile or what Sure, you. sure. Sure. So I've been in telecoms for 20 years, um, 19 years. Uh, I'm with my brother, Josh. Uh, we've been finding solutions to connecting the um, unconnected and very hard to reach areas, typically where the costs are the highest for a long time. Um, and then slowly, slowly, as I, you know, I was successful in a few businesses, I realized that the things that I was doing were not actually having too much of an impact except from uh, to make other people rich. And I decided that I should move out of these about five years ago um, and consider actually how the telecom companies are getting rich. Um, with the insight that I had into the industry, I realized that it was, it was from not really from minutes or, or voice anymore uh, or data. It was actually from um, from selling our data and from profiling us and from any other way. So I wanted to build a solution that could give us back our dignity and, and give us back control of self-data governance. Uh, I started to research blockchain and started to find Cardano. And um, there became the world mobile chain. You know, the, the, the experience with connecting the unconnected previously using off-the-shelf equipment and different spectrums. Um, and then finding partners such as Cardano made all of this possible uh, to, to, to make the world mobile chain. Yeah, it's it's an amazing mission. It's it's pretty cool that you uh, made that decision as an entrepreneur to shift to something where you could really add value for for a lot of people. I I, I love it, um, and it definitely seems like your mission's perfectly aligned with Cardano's as well. So very much so. And you know what the the, the interesting part is is that the new gold is to be found in the underdeveloped markets in the in the growing markets. So going there and and providing the mobile network providing an access to uh, all these new um, services, financial services, and, and Bank of the Unbanked, because we were partners that are IOHK Cardano and using the Teleprism digital identity, actually, there's so much more revenue to be found in these emerging markets than there is in the saturated markets. There's 1,000 mobile network operators that operate for you and for me and the, the connected, and there's none operating for the unconnected. So, you know, people think that to 
do good, sometimes you can't make profit. But actually, the, the reason that the mobile network operators, although I give them a hard time, I'm, I'm one, and many of my team were one ourselves, uh, and, you know, the reason I give them such a hard time um, is because they deserve it. But actually, in reality, they're stuck. They're stuck in a box with legacy infrastructure and they can't get out. So once they realize that there is a new way, that you don't have to abuse the customer, that you can actually give the customer value and you can still make money, and a lot of it, then they'll change their tactics too, because inherently they're not even. They're just trying to make money for shareholders. Sure, sure. And they're just probably so enormous that they can't, they don't have the flexibility to change their infrastructure to, to really adapt to create a ROI on an emerging market. Is that, is that where the opportunity lies for you guys? Basically, they, they, they're too, too big to change? Yeah. What's, so what's broken in, in legacy telecoms? The software and the hardware, the legacy, the, what's broken is the four big tech companies that control the space. So right. they've stifled innovation. They've, you know, just look at the, the Verizon, the WiMAX scandal. They, they spent billions of dollars on, on WiMAX just to put it in the drawer so that nobody else could, could use it. WiMAX is a much better technology. This is, you're talking 10, 12 years ago. So right. it's, they're, they're, the Samsungs, the Huawei's, the, the big tech companies, they bought out all the small guys, the innovators. So 15, 20 years ago, tons of innovators in the space, loads of people in the, in the, in the startup industry of, of communications. And then slowly, slowly, they're all bought out. Uh, and the reason they're bought out is because the Samsungs, uh, the, the big guys, they want to charge billions of dollars or half, you know, half a billion dollars for their licensing fees. And they don't really care that half the world's unconnected. They'd like it to be connected and they'd like to be able to connect it. But actually, again, they're driven by pure, pure profits and to make sure that they, they dominate the market. So it's an oligopoly. Yeah. And the, the tech companies can't, can't they, they've got big ships, they can't turn around. Plus, in their genetics, they, it's not to share. So where we've found uh, our inspiration has been from actually, in irony, Facebook um, and Google. Uh, not so much Microsoft. I have a lot of respect for Microsoft and, and Bill Gates. But uh, the former two that I mentioned, you know, for them to give us inspiration about uh, doing good and connecting and unconnected was, was very unlikely. Um, in their quest to go and harvest more data and to go and find more, more um, uh, customers to bring onto the Google networks and to bring onto Facebook, they actually... Uh, developed fantastic um, proof of concepts and, and working products that is using off-the-shelf uh, hardware and equipment to go and connect these spaces for a fraction of the price. So you look at the, the Google Loon project, incredible, stratospheric right. balloons. Um, they worked in, in East Africa, very close to where we're, we're working now. Um, but ultimately, it failed. And Facebook, yeah. they spent tons. Yeah. What, what was the failure point of, of Loom? Um... It's a shame it did fail because it would have helped a lot of people, but it was it wasn't sustainable. Even a trillion dollar company can't fix this problem alone. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars trying to reinvent the wheel. To, they didn't need to reinvent the wheel. They just needed to plug some fiber into some some alternative spectrum and deliver via Wi-Fi to the end user, right. uh, and then they would have had a much better effort. So actually, Facebook are, are trying this right now. They've got three hundred meter towers. They stand in the air, huge things, uh, and they're connecting. But they're offering their only service they're offering is Facebook. Would, so, would it be the operational cost, the operation, operational infrastructure that was too burdensome? Do you think that was that was it, basically? I think when you when you're trying to connect rural areas, if you've got balloons in the sky, they won't connect just to somebody's phone directly. So you've got to have base stations on the ground. So as as a as a telecom company or as a um, communications company, if you're maintaining the entirety of your of your network in areas that don't have good power in areas that, that, that aren't dug properly, in areas that you haven't got roads, you know, you travel 20 kilometers, but it's taking you half a day because there's so much traffic. And it's just inefficient. 
So as a telecom operator, I think the biggest problem um, that exists today is that they're not sharing the responsibility. And that's where, again, we feel that we, we are well mobile are really different. And Facebook, they're not going to share with the end customer, right? The, the Google, they're not going to share with the end customer. They want to take from the end customer. It's like the, the scorpion. The scorpion in the hair when he meets the, the, the river crossing and says, look, I, I need to get across the river and I can't because I'm, you know, I'm a scorpion and I ate the pajama with the water. And the hair says, but you'll sting me because you're a scorpion. And the hair yeah. and the, the scorpion says, I promise I won't. Right? I promise. And he says, no, but you will. He said, I promise I won't. So the hair believes it, jumps across, boom, stings him on the back. He says, why do you sting me? You promised me you wouldn't. I'm a scorpion. It's in my nature. <laughs> so it's not in Google's nature to share. It's in Google's right. nature to take, to give a service. And we accept it. Um, I, I use Google every day. I think it's a fantastic service. But actually, I stand up for the rights of everybody to say that we shouldn't accept it. We shouldn't be selling our personal data for, for access. You know, we should, it's, it's worth so much to them. If we have access to our own personal data, it becomes worth much less. So, yeah, we're, we're making ourselves the product in that sense. And yeah. And, and they're abusing it, using us, basically. Look, it's something yes. accept it, but I, until our privacy is gone, until we've been profiled truly, until until we realize what we've given away, then um, we won't realize and we will say, okay. But in Africa, we have the chance to make it a difference there. We have the chance to start from zero and to give people a network where self-data governance exists, where economic freedom of choice exists, where transparency and mutability exists, where you can trace where you've been, you can, you can understand your call that you just paid for. Actually, you weren't you weren't frauded by the operator. You, can well, you just you just mentioned a lot there that that is uh, very much uh, around the blockchain, right? So the some of the efficiencies that that blockchain provides. Could you go into that and 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 how you're utilizing blockchain? Because I personally, I think this is magnificent what you guys are doing. Uh, number one, I, I love the mission and how aligned it is with Cardano. But also, it's such a phenomenal real use case of of how you can utilize blockchain to create a real world product that's that's actually going to get use. And so, I really, I th I think for everyone watching, it would be it would be an excellent thing to go through. How are you utilizing blockchain to create efficiencies that solves the problem that legacy communications can't? Sure. So the first use, the first instance that someone begins to use blockchain is via Teleprism, which is the digital identity platform. So as they sign up to the world mobile chain, they, they either have the SIM card, where we have a SIM card that works in 53 different countries, or they're connected, which is our preference, to an air node, which is delivered via Wi-Fi. They then, the first instance, they then create their own self-governed digital ID. So that's the first instance. The second instance is the sharing economy. So those air nodes that people connect to People get paid via via smart contracts when they come out on mm -hmm. computers, and this allows for many things to, to, to happen. So, we are highly regulated as a telecom company. But yeah. what we've tried to do is remove all of the things that allow us to be centralised that we can. So, people getting paid for performance of the network shouldn't be controlled by one accountant on our side. It should be an automatic reward distribution system, right? Therefore, everybody's incentivised. This is a fair, transparent, and a system that isn't dictated by me or anybody else who owns the network. So that's, that's the second primary use. The third use is by allowing this reward system to exist, we've got continuous fundraising. Not me, the network has continuous fundraising. It means that people are incentivized. Now, institutions themselves, they've left the world, half the world offline because there's not enough margin to be made with legacy infrastructure, so they just don't look at it. They say, okay, well, we can make 10%, 15% possibly if 
vodka equipment doesn't get stolen, if there isn't a disaster, if this doesn't go wrong. So by putting the hand, putting the, 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 the fundraising, by putting the transparency, by bringing in the blockchain, you're able now to allow um, external people, retail people, normal people to enter into the telecommunications market and actually fix these, these, these fairnesses that exist because there's so much money to be made for an operator. I don't need to discuss that now, but in the next three to four months, you'll see papers come up from, from World Mobile that will discuss this in depth as we, as we head towards mainnet and we go live. But there's so much margin to be made from connecting the unconnected. It's just the technology that you use to deliver to get there. So, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a, a huge reason. And then, of course, there's the operational side of telecommunications. We've been in that for a long time, um, especially my brother Josh Allen, the, our, our CEO and, and co-founder too. Um, you know, there's so much fraud that happens, and intentionally and unintentionally. There's there's so many billing issues that happen. We're building on Cardano, but we're building a custom version with a, a lot of features for, for telecommunications. So it's it's made for these minute transactions. It's made for this immutability. It's made for transparency. transparency you know, this is this is why we use blockchain. This right. Is probably probably one of the first real world use cases where actually it can be utilized and can make a, a network so much more efficient and Trustless. And it no sounds like you're, you're also utilizing uh, the smart contracts to create incentives that encourage the operation of the network, the mesh network. Is that correct? So basically, sure. you're spreading out the wealth somewhat, incentivizing others to operate nodes. Can you talk a little bit about the nodes, the different types of nodes and what, what their functions are? Yeah, so I just want to make it clear now that this is this is a sharing economy, but a true sharing economy. This isn't like, hey, you hold a node, you earn some token, you get a few percent cash back. And this is you operate a node, you keep it up, you make sure that people can connect to it, and you get a large share of this mobile network. Now, the mobile networks that exist, the 1,000 mobile network operators, they have a three and a half trillion dollar economy themselves. That is without providing digital identity. And that is without talking about any value-added services. So the real money is to be found by creating the connectivity, first of all, then bringing on the digital identity. And then from the digital identity, you've now opened a whole new world of access to services that are pre-qualified. If you think about it right now, penetration of MasterCard, Visa, PayPal, it's non-existent in Africa. There's no internet terminals. There are internet terminals. There's, but there's no internet terminals in the rural areas, which a lot of Africa is rural, that can support these kind of things. People don't have identity, not a national or, or, or a passport or a, a form of local ID because they can't access somewhere. They don't understand right. because they don't have the because the it all comes down to a lack of infrastructure. Yeah, and you so, guys are utilizing a tele, a teleprism, right, with within Cardano. Yeah, it's built directly into our stack. It's a custom but, version of a teleprism, but it's actually, yes, it, it is a teleprism. It's part of your text. That's great. Okay, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought there. No, it's good. It's good. There's so many thoughts. So you've got three types of nodes coming back to it. You've got the, the air node. So the air node is owned by a local entrepreneur, a businessman, a group of people. And the air node is um, a device that costs around $5,000 on mass to produce. We didn't invent anything except from the, the W branding, the World Mobile branding. Um, and that was intentional because we figured, why are we going to spend resources, time on inventing uh, infrastructure, solar panels, wireless access points, when you've got companies that have spent billions of dollars of research and development. So what we're going to do 
is to connect the unconnected real fast as we're going to utilize these these existing existing companies. Right. So on an anode, you've got an oversized solar panel. Underneath the oversized solar panel is a street light that's running on very low watts uh, LED, but it's, uh, it's, it's actually critical because in rural Africa, you don't have much light uh, where you don't have power, obviously. And then further down on this pole is strapped a wireless access point. Next to that wireless access point is a Raspberry Pi style device or not, uh, some kind of ARM processor that runs the world mobile chain and it's connected to a transcoder and a transponder that connects the alternative spectrum, which I'll tell you about uh, in a minute, where we build the network. Underneath that is second life batteries. They come from China and they come recycled from the electric from buses and from big vehicles. And we import them, uh, Andrew Soper, and then we, we turn them into second life batteries. So this device costs $5,000, provides power to charge your devices, provides power to, to charge the wireless access point when the sun's down so the internet is 24 hours a day. So it's a solar, provides, solar device, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a solar device. And all the things that are strapped to it actually completely transform a, a village, not just the entertainment side of stuff, because of course it's nice to be entertained, but also their economy too. Because once they're online, once they, they, can, they can access um, uh, people, they can access marketplaces. Once they, once they have street light, they can sell for longer at nighttime. Once they have power to charge their phones, they don't just have the three or four hours that the phone has charged when they came back from work 10 kilometers away and managed to, to find electricity at the, the hotel or at the shop and get enough charge or, or where they come back home and they've got a little small solar home system and it's just got enough charge to, to pump you know, 30 minutes worth of time. All of a sudden, they can just go to the, to the air node and plug in and they're there and they're charging their device. And it's got plenty of power to charge 100. 100 phones, 200 phones a day, twice over, as well as provide backup for the for the light and wireless access points. So that, that's the air nodes. And as right. a local entrepreneur, someone who owns livestock or someone who owns crops, you can you can own one of these. It will cost you around five thousand dollars. The ROI on this is a, is approximately a year and a half to two years. Okay. Then you've got earth nodes. Earth nodes are made up of three elements. They are software that you install on a dedicated machine, on hardware or a cloud, depending on the cloud has three elements, has the telecommunications element that so makes calls, allows people to send messages, has a file storage element as well, uh, which is included in the telecommunications module. Then it has something called the internode API. And the internode API is, the, is the, the calling module to the blockchain. And of course, the blockchain is built with IOHK on Kodak. So that, Where are you guys at with, with that, just out, out of curiosity, in, in terms of uh, the integration with Cardano? I'm guessing you're working with Plutus engineers, uh, we're, we're working with the, all of the core team. We have been for the last two and a half years, three years. We work with, I speak to John O'Connor daily, um, okay. Carlos, Carlos Vargas, uh, our tech team and their team have Slack channels that's always firing off. We're very, we're very advanced. Uh, we, we're, we're building, and this is something that I believe IOHK and Cardano, they have the foresight to, to see that to back the unbanked, you've got to connect the unconnected because the disrupt yeah. existing markets that are connected is so hard. It's, yeah. It doesn't matter if you've got a billion dollars or, or even five billion dollars. You know, you, you're not going to. It's going to be very difficult to disrupt uh, mobile money, as an example. It's yeah, be very dis difficult to disrupt banking. Where, I mean, it's a testament to the power of this partnership. I, I think it's phenomenal. I, it, people underestimate it somewhat, it seems. But like, you guys have gotten quite a bit of attention, I imagine, since the Africa special. Is that is that going well in terms of the, the marketing there or? Awesome. I mean, th this is a long-term thing, but I think truly when it goes well is when the, 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 the penny drops and people say, hold on, yeah, they just brought out 150,000 people onto Cardano, not for just staking or not for just speculation, but actually for real 
use yep. cases. And these 150,000 people are performing 35 transactions a day. And hold on, we as, as, a, as, a, as a team, as a movement, are changing the world. And yeah, then when they understand that the numbers back that, and then the whole of we're bringing uh, together with IOHK, we're bringing on hundreds of thousands and then millions of people onto the chain, then what else is there out there in the space? We, um, yeah. Exchanges are cool. Uh, you know, doing a bit of trading school. No, this is uh, this is but, enormous. I completely agree. I, I, I'm so excited about this project. Uh, it's, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I mean, that's a great reason to get out of bed every morning and, and you know, to, to have the mission that you have connecting the unconnected. The digital divide is so great that, that, that you know, people have this inability to access the, the uh, information and infrastructure that so many of us take for granted. Um, I, I just love the mission. Um, sorry, I want I to steer saw, us back. Yeah, can I just say something now? I just yeah, saw. Yeah, um, I just saw Michael Saylor, and I just saw you know banking the unbanked and Bitcoin, and I'm like, okay, so I respect him big time. Of course you do. You know, he's put his balls in the line. He's, he's <laughs> huge. You know, he buys with Satoshi Nakamoto's brother, Satoshi Nakamoto's family right now. The way that he's buying. <laughs> I, I'm a bit of a maximalist myself as well, and I, I believe that. Without Bitcoin, none of this movement would have happened. And right. It, it's, it's the father of rule. But, dude, he's talking about banking the unbacked and half the world are unconnected. Sort it out. Stop it. Like if you, yeah, it doesn't really make want sense. Freedom, yeah, if you really want true financial freedom for everybody and you, you don't want to just be known as a shiller. And I don't think he is, by the way. I think, he's, again, he's a really cool guy. But, you know, actually, coming from my perspective, when you're thinking, okay, so every one in two people can't access the internet and then you are saying Bitcoin's a revolution. No, no, no. Let's get everybody connected first of all. It, yep. you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't cost hundreds of billions of dollars to do so. Um, you know, do you want to operate some earth nodes? Do you want to do something meaningful as well as, as, well as push Bitcoin? Or uh, right. you just want to show something for your own fund? Because so, so this is it. You're going to challenge Sailor to operate some earth nodes. He's welcome anytime. If he doesn't want to, we've, got, <laughs> we've, we've, we've got a community already that I believe wants to operate and, and change the world. And that's what World Mobile stands for as well. So you can stand up and make a difference. You know, so many people in my lifetime... Um, I told me you can't do this and you can't do that and the technology doesn't exist. And I've seen it. I've seen microwaves operate across borders to provide refugees ways to speak back to their families. I've seen the, the movement in Miami, in, 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 in the Cuba, the revolution when people were, were jumping across on rafts and then all of a sudden they were, they were landed into Miami uh, as, as refugees and they didn't have a, a, a way to get back. They didn't want to go back as, uh, seeking asylum because of the dictatorship out there. But then the USA doesn't allow the 537 code. So then all of a sudden, loads of middlemen jumped into the market and they started selling Cuba for $5, $10 a pop for a minute for these, for these asylum seekers, for the people coming over on, on their boats. How can someone who's come over on a boat, how can they afford to pay that? So that's what we saw. And uh, the, these, these revolutions are happening right now again. You know, it's happening in telecoms and now it's beginning to happen in, in this space. Yeah, and I think it's going to start to get rapid adoption. And at some point, you guys are going to start to get some critical mass, which leads me to the next question. However, I do want to finish covering the nodes. You you were last explaining, I think you'd gotten through a good part of the Earth node and the Arrow node. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, the, there's the Aether node. So the Aether node is, um, is the master of all nodes. There's usually only one operated uh, in a country. Uh, it's a very regulated, highly regulated node. And it, it speaks to all the legacy operators. So you've got 1,000... Um, legacy operators that connect the other half of the world, of course, they need to speak to our network would be pretty useless without being able to serve. Right, so you could push through to other networks, basically, push the signal yeah, out to them. This, this node is, 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 uh, is a serious device. So this is, you know, 20, 20 rack space, uh, IU. It's a very serious um, 
cost to it, and it's, it needs to be operated by a local partner that is regulated, that is licensed. Okay, got it. Um, speaking of regulation, what uh, you guys, I, I would imagine there's a significant amount of challenge there that that might be one of the risks that you had to foresee and figure out how to solve. How are you dealing with regulation in the different countries, uh, and, and how's that going? Except from beating up telecom operators, this is yeah. probably uh, this is probably our, our strongest point. So okay. we have, by by no mistake, we have the former um, chief regulator of the East African Communities, who was responsible for six countries. He was also the director general for for Kenya um, and part of the International Telecommunications Union. We have Chris Watson, maybe uh, I would consider him to be the number one telecom lawyer in the world. He's also uh, an advisor to the World Bank for, for digital ID. Um, we have oh, Rene wow. Poisson, his former JP Morgan, um, uh, very, very senior in charge of the JP Morgan Pensions Fund, um, but also uh, has, has dealt with regulation of his life and as a barrister. Um, and it goes down further and further. You know, we, we have uh, Professor Slim Aluni, he's the pioneer in the next generation of, uh, of, of 6G of, of telecommunications, he's working directly with us. And um, without regulation, you can't implement any of these things. So right. there's a lot of projects right now in the space. Um, uh, in the, in the, even in the blockchain space, and they're going around things uh, a different way, and they're not going around in the regulated way. I don't want to, to do unnecessary regulation, but in communications, you have to have regulation. Number yeah. one, because you won't get into a country, you'll never reach mass adoption, you'll never grow big. Uh, and number two, um, you need to know when there's bad people operating on, on your network. So, you know, I understand the need for this, and we've made ourselves extremely strong. It's probably our strongest point. In the uh, some of the research I was doing, I noticed I, I read an interview with you where you were explaining that, it, and that's great. First of all, that you've built such a solid team around handling that risk, but it also sounds like there is a lot more risk if you're going if you're going to be competing with legacy uh, telecoms. But you guys are actually going to connect people that are not already connected, so you pose no threat to legacy. I think that was kind of the point you were making. Is that pretty accurate? Very much so. And, uh, and again, for the regulators, so I've just spoken about our regulatory team, but each country has its own regulation arm, and usually it's independent. Now, it's very difficult for them because they've got so many operators coming in. Uh, people are used to doing with um, uh, corruption. It's, it's not new. It, it happens throughout telecommunications. Right. And, you know, it's hard for them. It's hard for them to operate and to be as fair as they want to. But when we come with our team and we say, hey, we want to buy a license. We want to, we want to enter into the market. They say, oh, God, another person wants to buy a license. But actually, you know, we, we want to go for the market that isn't connected. So mm -hmm. now they're all is. Now their real true self comes out. You know, the, the Ebenezer Scrooge, the, 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 the true person behind them comes out and says, you really want to get them connected? Yeah. How are you going to do it? Okay, this is how you can do it. Okay, thank you very much. We'll be delighted. And and it doesn't matter what corruption exists in that country. The regulator has no reason to, to talk to another mobile network operator about us because we're going after a market they can't go after and they haven't gone after and they've left those people unconnected. So we're doing actually what every regulator in the world wants us to do, and that's getting their countries in foot. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Well, and you've actually got real-world experience already with, uh, I believe, a village in Tanzania that you, you've got a proof of concept going or, or you've actually got them connected. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And is that sure. currently utilizing blockchain or that's not to that phase yet? Uh, maybe it's utilizing a blockchain. So it's utilizing elements of blockchain, um, but not many. 
Okay. So I can explain to you exactly what we've been doing for the last two and a half years. First of all, proof of concepts uh, with RJ and Andy on the ground in Baraka. Uh, and then once we saw the proof of concepts, we said, okay, now let's go slightly bigger. So we worked mm -hmm. with RJ to connect 50,000, 60,000 students across universities in, um, in Tanzania itself. And we were able to, to offer them internet so much cheaper than, than they could have it before. But uh, in, in actual reality, they could only spend about two hours online. Uh, and we gave them the same, uh, we worked with the faculty, so we didn't charge them directly, but we gave them the same, for the same cost, access for around 10 hours online. And then we also provided in the same area with the technology, we took John O'Connor up to the, the roof of this building, actually. Uh, and with the same area, we hosted a solar system and also a TV white space. And within 25 kilometers of range, anybody was able to pick up the TV white space signal and convert that. So we put a few air nodes around on campuses and a few here and there. But we, we grew fast really quickly and we didn't have the commercial licenses, so we couldn't go any further. We didn't want to overstep our, our, our mark. Uh, once we saw that working, we said, okay, let's go for a harder mission and let's actually go for connecting the, the really unconnected, not just the people that can't afford it and they're underserved. So we drove out about 60 kilometers from, from, Tanzania, uh, from Dar es Salaam itself in Tanzania uh, and we found a very small village that represented um, almost no connectivity at all. There was an area within a kilometer where you could get one bar of signal and you'd sit there pressing a USSD code to, to send or to top up or to do something and it would occasionally work and, 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 and more often than not, not work at all. So we got to this village, there was around uh, 150, 160 people there, um, a few solar systems, one guy had a satellite dish that was uh, feeding him pirated TV. Um, well, actually I don't know if it was pirated, excuse me. Probably need to edit that bit out. Uh, so, was, so one guy had a satellite dish, um, but no connectivity at all. So we stuck up two air nodes, two air nodes on either side of the of the, of the village. Um, we we had the street lights on both sides. Uh, you can see this footage on, on YouTube and on our website. Um, and we wanted to come back a month later to see what the internet would bring for for the people. And then I don't know if you heard about it, but this thing called the uh, coronavirus, COVID nineteen, took over the whole world. And we were not able to get back to, to Zanzibar, uh, to Tanzania, sorry. Um, finally, nine months later, when we got the go-aheads, we called up Marcus, he's, uh, he's our camera guy, um, and he's been a worldwide guy for ages. Um, we said to him, look, can you fly out there and meet RJ and see what's happened? And we'd, we'd really like to document this. And the internet was up and down during this period because we weren't there to manage it. I think they had about five or six months out of the nine months of online. And they didn't have mobile money, uh, our mobile money, and they didn't have digital identity. What they did have was human um, ingenuity. And what they did have was mobile phones. When they had a source to power it, and they had a source to use the internet, all of a sudden the life transformed. So we got back there, we were completely shocked. We saw that from 150, 160 people, all of a sudden, we're talking about 300 people living in the village. New houses have gone up. We're talking about instead of one bar, we're talking about three bars. Instead of um, uh, the fishing, the fishermen, instead of smoking the fish, they bought a freezer and they plugged it into the, the, the node themselves. They shouldn't have, but they, they, they plugged it into the node themselves. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they were freezing their fish. They were keeping it ice. They were able to produce. Uh, so then they were able to use WhatsApp from the fishing boats. Right. Message the people, message merchants and, and traders, and say, "Hey, I've got this live fish," and then the guy would say, "I'll be around in three hours' time." So then they they wouldn't smoke it to preserve it; they keep it on ice because it was worth it. And now they're making ten times more for their catch. So, and then we saw the you know it went way beyond that. They were then exporting crab to China, 
They were send, sending stuff to Zanzibar. To the, so it completely changed everybody's life. And then now we're waiting to, to reconnect this village in a better way uh, as soon as we've got our full licenses, which should arrive to us next week for actually the mainland. And in the meantime, we're now rolling out in Zanzibar for a full-scale rollout. We've got equipment landed there. We've got implementation managers that are, that are hitting the ground. Uh, we've got our team that are developing the, the worldmobile.co.tz local website to buy. We've got um, partnership opportunities uh, that we're going to exercise probably with world-class uh, sports sports um, uh, agencies and, and clubs. And we're we're really gunning for this. This is not a, this is not a joke. This is yeah, I can tell. I, hundreds and thousands of people. I mean, I'm on it. I'm I'm fully fully ready for the sport. It's a hard, it's a hard water fight, but it's only connected. Are you connected via Wi-Fi now? Yes. Yes, yeah, so am I. And how yeah. good's the connection? Right. Yeah, it's, and it's, yeah. you're, you're probably connected via, via fiber. Now, the Chinese have done an incredible favor to us. They've laid down fiber throughout the whole of Africa. What's happened is no one's picking it up and delivering it to the last mile because you're, you're able to utilize that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of what you did, it, I mean, you were talking about real world um, use of your uh, of making that village connected and how it started to transform the actual village without you guys, you know, being that, you know, that there was, there was an element where it empowered them. And I think that's fantastic. And that, that's that, that you're getting to experience that already in the very first village that you got connected, that you're seeing the uh, <coughs> real world impact on these lives is phenomenal. Uh, one thing I don't know if you know about uh, Cardano chats is we're actually um, we're sponsored. We have a, a stake pool with Cardano. Uh, it's called grow your stake. And that's the sponsor of this show because we don't charge you guys to do this or whatever. We're actually just trying to grow our stake pool. Well, our stake pool gives 100% of the profits to a charity called Drop for Drop, which is building water wells in Africa. And we've already built our first well. And they they actually uh, were waiting on pictures for them of the group celebration. But in, in Uganda, there was a major COVID issue. And they're unable to send us group photos, unfortunately, because of COVID. But... Yeah, we have a similar mission. We're, you know, we're trying to bring water. I'd love to, to do to something with you in, in in Zanzibar, Tanzania. So yeah. you're more than welcome to come out there and and uh, lay down an anode and see it all happening. And I'm sure Charles is going to be there. John O'Connor is going to be there. We're going to set up camp. I would gonna, love I'm to. Hope, hopefully, we can bring over some of the world mobile community uh, to to come over and lay some anodes down to see really and feel what we're doing. Yeah, I would love Sit. that. When when is that happening? It's now. Okay, so you, right. I, I didn't know I, if you were speaking of a, a particular event. Okay, go no, ahead. It's, 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 it's happening right now. It's, uh, we, we, as a, there's equipment in the air. There's equipment on the, on, on the ocean coming across. Um, there's, there's implementation managers landing. RJ and, and Baraka and the crew, Andrew Sopa, are all prepared with the RF plans. We've, we're, we're, we're doing it. This is it. So okay. in the next two to three months, we'll open up invitations for anybody and everybody who wants to come to to Zanzibar to see what we're doing and maybe we can make it the you know the first world mobile conference out there. Uh, I'm I'm in. I'll I'll get on a plane and, and head out there. I'd love to. You're I think it's great. Love you too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Zanzibar is the current focus. Okay. We have Zanzibar which is the focus for the remainder of this year, the major focus we okay. this year. So there is the rollout the first commercial network, the first world mm -hmm. mobile commercial network and get over 100,000 people connected. But actually, the purpose really is to get the, the digital identity platform working properly and to be able to and efficiently and to be able to get the, the sharing economy working. Right. The beginning of next year will be Tanzania mainland. Tanzania mainland is the opportunity, which is Texas from being um, 
in the eyes of the telecom world, Texas would be, okay, these guys have got potential. Who are they? We're not really that interested because they're only going to connect Zanzibar and they've only got 100,000 people on the network to, holy shit, these guys have just connected 5 million people and we don't know what to do. How do we do this, right? Well, where, where do we go? Um, and then from that, with the sharing economy, we already have 12 different proof of concepts. Uh, Nigeria is looking on the cards now. Um, we've got Kenya, uh, which is already very advanced. Um, and we're looking also at uh, other places slightly outside of the, the continent where we can explore opportunities um, because this is this is world mobile. It's not just African mobile. But we're going, so, we're going where the demand is first, right? Where the absolutely. Is is, and, and in terms of your go-to-market strategy, is it uh, kind of regionally based uh, and getting specific regions connected and then adding in the other elements like digital, the, the features that digital identity will provide or... How, how does that work? I'd say that we've already we've already done those assessments and, and met our assumptions. This is about a full scale deployment of all of it. This is about now getting the shared economy work. We've we've proven Microsoft, Facebook, Google have proven that you can go and connect the connected using the same equipment that we're using. Right. Uh, mesh networks have existed in Africa for for a very long time uh, and around the world for a very long time, but they're not sustainable. So yep. what we're doing now is creating a sustainable economic model that keeps this alive, right? So we're using the cheapest way to connect people, the cheapest technology that we don't have to research and develop to connect people. But what we're doing is by providing the digital identity, by creating the shared economy, we're now creating a way that people earn. When you earn yeah, something, it's the fuel. It's the fuel for the network, you, right? You, you look after it. You look after a cow. You look after chickens. You look after your fishing boat. You look after your car, your taxi, whatever it is, because it earns you money. Because that's what you live from. It's where you feed your family from. It's where you go to school. That's 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 they're, they're, they're the things that. So when you something makes you money, you value it. Uh, and that's that. I think that is again coming back to the part of the, the missing piece of the puzzle for Google or for Facebook. And again, it's not in their DNA to share. Right. You, completely. Yeah, that you're utilizing blockchain for its algorithmic uh, incentive functionality to fuel the building of these networks. Yeah. And, and the use. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. Uh, it's the best use case. Uh, it's one of the best use cases I've seen by far. And you guys are. You. I, I think it's it's really gonna really going to take off. So in terms of uh, smart contracts coming up with uh, Cardano, I guess we're expecting August, somewhere around there. What unfolds for you guys at that point? Uh, is that when Testnet really starts off for you or how's that uh, going to work? So there's gonna, there is an MVP already. Uh, right. We're using, there's an application already that we're using um, and that will be deployed in the next one and a half, two months into Zanzibar. But of course, that will be upgraded by when smart contracts come out, the smart contracts offer us much more flexibility in the things that we need to do. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and in terms of uh, Cardano, like, what did you? What were the? You know, we talked a little bit about the aligned missions, but what were the main reasons you guys chose to work with? Come them on, man. Over, over anyone come else? Come on. Okay, so I'll go around. I'll give them a big shout out. They're awesome, right? But um, yeah. They didn't talk about Africa. They didn't care about Africa. It wasn't on their on their agenda three years ago. I got introduced um, to Charles Hoskinson by uh, now global ambassador James Bowwater. Um, he, he said to me, "You've got to meet my friend, uh, my friend Charles. He's really into the African mission too. And you know, they're, they're building their blockchain by peer review. I'd been researching a lot about blockchain. I considered building one ourselves. And I had a very good tech team. I wanted them to transition, and I started to fund them to." To move, but then I woke up one night and said, Hold on, why am I going to rebuild something? It can take loads of time, and it's going to be my major focus. My major focus should be putting all the pieces together because I've yeah. got a vision, 
right. I should be utilizing people that are much better at me at building stuff. And of course, I need to uh, to qualify that and verify that. But if I can, then I would rather use somebody else's tools um, to save time and collaborate to fix this this huge problem. Every one in two people can't can't connect, right? So this is a huge problem. Right, it doesn't need any further delay. So it made sense. So I went up to Edinburgh uh, with Alan. We, you know, we went to see um, a Plutus Fest. We saw a, f- a few people speaking there, and, and Charles and Agalos and uh, Tamara. And, and um, somebody said to me, "What are you doing here?" I said, "Well, you know, I'd like to speak to Charles about banking the unbanked." They said, "Okay, lots of people want to speak to me about that." I said, "Okay." I spoke to Agalos, explained to Agalos what we were doing in a five-minute walk. Um, it's, really, it's looking back at it, you know, it's probably a piece of history. That, to, to, to be to be talked about, but we sat in a pub. We waited for for the, the team to arrive. Everybody, and it was the cool IOHKT, and they welcomed us. And we had some drinks with them. And, uh, it was it was lovely. And then Charles came in in his cowboy boots. Um, I was away from my son. He was he was one years old. Calling my phone, my, with the calling guy, guy, guy. And uh, I said, Charles, look, I've only got five minutes, um, but I just want to say something, man. I said. Before you bank the unbanked, you've got to connect the unconnected. I know how to connect the unconnected. Let's work together and bank the unbanked. Because without that, I don't know how anyone's going to disrupt these markets. And the true intention and true um, reason behind the cryptocurrencies and blockchain is not going to be met. And he looked at me and he said, okay. And I, I ran off and uh, I made my phone call. And he spoke to James Bowwooder. And I think he said to James, like, this guy's fucking crazy. What's he talking about? <laughs> uh, or, or he's got something big. And James said, look, I think actually he's got something real. So John was based up there. I, I hadn't met John at the time. This was around um, November-ish. Uh, and uh, he called John, and John said, I'll come over to, to Tanzania and to see. And John came over to Tanzania, and within, I think, two days of meeting RJ and Andy, he said, this is epic. Like, I see where you're going with this. What do you feel about building a, a global mobile network operator on Cardano with a massive footprint in Africa? Um, and, you know, we could be part of that. And I said, well, that sounds great. And then the Miami 2019 conference uh, came up and I said, yeah, look, let's go. Let's see how serious uh, this all is. And I picked up my whole team. Uh, I think it was about 20 of us that, that got on an airplane. And we arrived and we were all wearing World Mobile. We went and did this, you know, the, the workshops and met everybody. And I think at that moment, it was love. And uh, we realized that there was nobody else. to, to Nobody else, come on. Who, who invests like Cardano have invested? It, it, it shocks me the the rumors that travel around the internet that it's like vaporware. It's honestly, I, I, I yeah. find myself when people say, and I'm talking credible people, but um, you know, many many of the ETH fanboys that, that are now uh, my friends have now become Cardano fanboys as well because they they realize that hold on, this isn't just vaporware. Why is you know what is Charles doing? What he's doing? Why is John actually based in in in, in Ethiopia out there sacrificing his his first world ex- existence for a third world life? Why? Because they want to change the world. Because they yeah. actually believe that they can. And that's what we stand for at World Mobile too. Stand up and change the world. Stand yeah. up and make a difference. Because we've been told we can't. We've been told we've been put in a box for the last, I don't know how many years, certainly the last 15 years. Zeitgeist, all these movements, the Illuminati, it's all it's all bullshit. And, and it's all a way to suppress us. And, and people are starting to believe that. Actually, we can make a difference. Actually, don't put we, an entrepreneur in a box. Never. Yeah, yeah. Never. I, I, I did read in one of your interviews that one of your values is persistence. And um, I, I, I love it. I mean, it's just you, you, you have an enormous vision and it's going to take persistence. But um, what you're doing is incredibly important. So it's awesome. Was there a it's cat? Only until we reach. This is my dog. I rescued oh, dog. I, I okay. got my, my, my brother one as well. I don't know where she's gone. <laughs> but she's, this, 
this her name is Tokyo. Tokyo. Uh, my son. Yeah. So right. my, my my son called it Tokyo. It was that it was a choice between Tokyo and Ninja Kids. So oh. we, we, we chose Tokyo. It was the better name. All right, that's great. I got a dog named Frisco. Um, he's I, I have to put him up because as soon as I I don't know what it is, but when I start talking on video, he goes and gets his ball and he thinks it's playtime, but. It's it's worth she, time. So. She she does as well. She's only two months <laughs> old, but she's squeaking. And, uh, it's it's beautiful things. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I've taken a lot of your time, and I want to ask a couple more questions. Um, where do you see World Mobile in the next five years? As as the dominant player for connecting and connected, as a mobile network run by the people, as a mobile network that is completely, almost completely out of my own control. And it's growing on itself through the sharing economy and where people are facilitating this to enter into countries because they realize that actually this is a better mobile network and should be the new standard. Fantastic. I love it. When when this works, when this is happening, when it's growing on itself, uh, despite what you, you guys are doing, um, do you see this forcing legacy telecom to change? They'll, they'll, they'll all go this way. They'll all go this way. There's there's a there is a there's a purpose for spectrums that are licensed and unlicensed, but they'll all go hybrid. And I don't know who they'll be buying the software from and the, the the hardware, but uh, it could be World Mobile, right? Because that's what that's essentially what we're doing is we're taking off-the-shelf equipment, we're building software to to manage that off-the-shelf equipment to make it into a mobile network that is a fraction of the price to deploy and build and manage than anybody else. So I eventually see the the Vodafones the the, the, the big uh, mobile network operators are uh, potentially teaming up with us. And when they realize they can make more money just by profiling people and, and taking their data and they don't have to skim the edges in order to abuse the customer, I think they're going to move to that that way too. I just We've got a five-year start, six-year start. Yeah, and hopefully your arm is healed by then and you guys can mend ways and they'll license and utilize your uh, your systems and technology. The World Mobile community is coming to eat Vodafone's lunch. They know that. So they're, gonna, they're, they're, they're either going to have to come and join or they're going to have to go and try and, and, uh, and mimic and what we're doing, which is fine as well because even if another 500 operators come in in the next five years, six years into the space, it's still not going to be saturated. Afterwards, unconnected. Yeah. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for your time. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to cover. Any final words? Thank you very much for the time. It's been really enjoyable to, to be on the show. Thanks. Stay connected.